Get ready, Avalanche Territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, welcome once again into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Mike Evans. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there as we emerge from our food comas to uh, really start to uh, dial in on this this hockey season. Uh, Matt Smith, who, of course, jo- does our Avalanche postgame shows during the weekend, and you've been hearing him fill in on some of our shows. Matt, you're, you're sounding great. Thank you for joining us. Well, I appreciate that, Mike, and I'm happy to join you, talk some puck as always. Yeah, and do you always get – I know people are excited for the start of the season, but but to me, once you start to get into the holidays – to me, that's when the season really feels like it's it's underway. Do you do you get that same kind of vibe? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, you you always got to give 10, 15 games or so to really kind of let everybody get up and running. And I think then, you know, it kind of feels ready. You're sitting at home eating dinner and maybe turn a game on and – you know, you're, you're 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 starting to look at the standings, and you know, you know, it's it feels like it's hockey season. So, what have you learned about this Avalanche team through the first 15 games or so of the season? I'll tell you what, and I was thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> I found the Jared Bednar extension very curious because there were a lot of different you know ways to go about it right there's the the obvious question was why now you you're three straight back to back to back second round exits why was it necessary now are you afraid this guy was going to leave in the offseason did you not want to give him that carrot to dangle at the end of the year and then I started thinking about it more and you know I think they've got the right guy in place Mike I think that's my biggest takeaway is I think they have the right guy in place because I was really concerned at the beginning of the year because I saw the same exact issues that plagued them in the postseason. But schematically, they've adjusted on the fly very well. And these guys are responding to coaching at a very high level without some key pieces in the lineup, especially without McKinnon in the lineup. I think it's, it's been really good to see them step up. It's a more resilient group than I thought it was, quite frankly. Um, and I think you are seeing a trajectory overall, despite how frustrating it has been, that it's moving forward. Personally, there... Mike, and I, yeah, I, I do. I think Bednar. I think Bednar has got his finger on the pulse of this group. Is there anything to the idea that you don't want your coach in that final year of his contract that it leads to an almost lame duck type feeling that hey, it gives the players an excuse to tune him out you know I would say potentially if it were a different guy but we've seen already them respond in big ways I I think back Mike to the Florida Tampa you know road trip that they had and the Washington road trip right out of the gate and they were really playing some bad hockey and then Tampa in Tampa they step up they win in overtime And they went in that shootout. McCarr gets his first in the shootout. It was, you know, there's some bounce backs. And then they come back. They drop, you know, a home and home to Columbus and have a break with some really tough practices. And Bednar mixed things up and got these guys' attention. And really it translated on the ice. And that is a huge sign. We've seen it several times since then. Um, You know, I I don't know if I would have given him the deal to be honest with you. But after it happened, uh, I, I thought about it, and I was like, I, 
if these guys are tuning him out, I mean, they just lost back-to-back-to-back second rounds, you know? I mean, if if they're not upset, if they're not motivated, you know, I think there's a different issue here. So, no, I'm not really concerned about that. I I was concerned about whether or not he was the guy that was going to get them over the top of the hill, right? Because he's already gotten them there, but he hasn't gotten them over the top. However, I just – I haven't – seen any reason to not believe this was the right move right away I mean you get him locked up you ensure that these guys are dialed in right Mike because I mean look you don't do that let's say they struggle in March post-Olympic break then you know maybe questions are starting to creep up in everybody's mind let's say hypothetically some you know they're still dealing with injuries at that point Maybe they squeak into the playoffs and, you know, lose after the first round. Well, you know, are are you still that confident in this guy? You know what I mean? But now but now they've shown, Joe has shown that he's committed to him long term. And hopefully, you know, it, from what, everything I've seen, he seems to be a really, really well-liked and well-respected guy in that locker room. So, no, I'm not, I'm not necessarily concerned about that. Mile High Hockey Podcast here with uh, Matt Smith as we uh, we chop it up, all things Avalanche. And, and staying with Bednar, I find it curious that there's all kinds of questions and debate about whether or not he's the coach to take you past the second round into a Stanley Cup. I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you, why is that always the conversation that seems to surround the coach? Why can't we ask, hey, is Nathan McKinnon the so-called yep. superstar that's going to be able to take this avalanche team past the second round into a Stanley cup after he disappeared in the final four games of that Vegas series. Why is it on the coach to deliver the goods and maybe not more pressure put on the players or the GM who assembled the roster? Exactly. I think it's, I think it's a product of the society and the sports culture and the reaction culture we live in that we, that the head coach is ultimately accountable, right? And it's the easiest answer to just say, oh, well, we need a new coach, right? Instead of, oh, well, we're going to have to trade the second best player in the world because he has proved that in the postseason he can't get it done, you know? But I think there's a lot of validity to that statement. I think that it's not just, uh, you know, uh, a sole blame situation. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, McKinnon did disappear in that Vegas series. I mean, they, they did, the, you know, Vegas certainly had a lot to do with that. But um, I, I think more than anything, it's just because that's the part of the reaction culture we live in, that it, that that's the path of least resistance for most people in their opinions, even though, even though, like you said, a hard cap, you've got a, you've got Joe who's tried to assemble a team, but really didn't bring anybody in to replace the guys last year. Now they're getting the production from that depth, but I mean, that's why I think it's the reaction culture. It would because because wouldn't it just be nice if you hired a new coach and everything got better, Mike? <laughs> right. If that was just the quick fix panacea that uh, magic elixir that uh, automatically right. cures all. Hey, let's talk Nazem Kadri, who at the time that we're yeah. having this conversation is in the midst of a nine-game point streak, nineteen points during that streak. He's the fourth leading scorer in the NHL. Not McKinnon. Not Landeskog. Not Rantanen. Kadri is your fourth leading scorer in the NHL up there with the Ovechkins and, and McDavid's of the world. Where where do you come down on on this guy and and what kind of player he is juxtaposed against 
the other stuff where he's getting suspended in three of the last four years and putting a serious crimp in the Toronto and Avalanche playoff runs? You know, I think he knows he let this group down. I think it's pretty obvious, and I think it was pretty obvious when you watch that Vegas series. That's from a team perspective. And I think that if you're going to march back in that locker room in a contract year and want to be a part of this group moving forward, you have to know that there needs to be some accountability taken. And I think he's done that this year. He's been a really big, big leader for this group, not just production-wise. I mean, consistency-wise, certainly. As of right now, I believe he has the longest point streak and assist streak in the NHL. I mean, you need a second-line center who can produce to win a cup. And I think when you look at Nazem, he had a few years there where the narrative about him became more that he couldn't stay on the ice than what he was actually contributing in a positive manner on the ice. And nobody ever wants to hear that. Um, you know, I, you also need a guy that has fire. So I think it's a, it's a delicate balance. But, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that he let this group down. And, and after that eight-game suspension, and then, of course, you know, early fireworks this year, fights with St. Louis, they go after him a few times. He realized that, there's you can only go so far there right like you can't let that part of the game be a distraction to your overall goal which is winning hockey games and I think with Nachuskin back in the lineup now who's been phenomenal another guy in a contract year um, Kadri has put himself Mike into the position where I think this is a guy you have to consider extending mid-year he's an interesting player one of the more interesting players I've covered over the years because he gives me the confidence you have the luxury of looking at him and saying, come playoff time, this is a guy I absolutely believe I'm going to be able to rely upon and that he's going to deliver. But I don't know if I can trust him to just be available. It's like the old Chad Brown line, right? The greatest ability right. is availability. And it's it's fascinating because the the one thing that you should be able to take for granted that if healthy, he'll be there <laughs> with this guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. And it's one of the reasons why, as much as I, I really like him as a player, and, and and I'd love to have him part of my team's playoff run, part of me wonders, you know, is, is he worth committing to? Is he worth holding on to? Is he just too unpredictable and too unreliable? I think that's a very valid question clearly considering his past. However, they don't have a lot of options with the way that the cap is structured, you know, and, and I think it was also Mike part of the reason why they tried to move him in the off season. I heard rumors that they were shopping him in the off season and it would make sense, certainly given what he put on tape the last two years, but you know, human nature has to kick in. I mean, Nazem's a smart guy, you know. He knows he can't do that. He knows he affects his team's chances. And honestly, if you're sitting at home and you watch your team in the second round of the playoffs, five minutes away from a 3-0 lead, and then you watch them lose four consecutive games, don't you know that you're part of the reason why that happened if you play a significant role. And I think that that probably is a large motivating factor. So to be honest with you, I do understand those trust concerns. I'm not saying I would extend a mid-year. I'm just saying with the way the cap works, is that a guy that you are willing to let hit free agency? Because you're not going to, he's not going to command like 9 million. 
You know, I think you could probably get him back for four to five. But maybe some team comes in and says, hey, you know, we really like you. This is a piece that, you know, we sh- we saw what you did in Colorado this year. This is somebody that we're willing to commit, and we want that on our team. We want some grit and toughness. And, you know, Mike, you and I have talked specifically about the toughness on this group, especially when it comes to the postseason. And Nazem's a guy who's not really going to back down from anybody. And I think that that is a, that's something you need. Now, is this going to continue? Is this going to keep up? Only time will tell. But I think the signs have been overwhelmingly positive here this year. There were a few, there were a few early penalties and a few early situations that I felt like he didn't have his head on straight. But the truth is, is you know, he got a, I think he got a minor for just chirping at an official, for just talking. And I think I think that was like maybe four, five, six games into the year. And I think that one kind of sunk in that it was like, okay, look, they they are they have their eyes on me. I'm under surveillance when I'm on the ice, and you've got to be aware of that. That you know, antics cost you games in this league, and it's about winning hockey games. So if he can keep his focus there, and especially without McKinnon in the lineup, he's been fantastic. So if he can keep his focus there. And that second line can keep producing. I don't know if they're going to produce at this level the rest of the year, but if they can keep contributing on a nightly basis, then then that is a guy you have to consider keeping around, considering the cap and how hard it is to load up a team in 2021. True story. I had a dream the other night about a Kale McCarr box score line. Okay, it was a, it was yes. no no joke. It was an Avalanche game box score, and in it, it showed Kale McCarr scoring two goals again. And in the dream, this is all hand to God. In the dream, I'm like, wow, another two goal game. And this, of course, in my my subconscious, because the other day he had two more goals against Ottawa, and he becomes the first defenseman in franchise history. To have two consecutive games with two-plus goals, which is staggering when you think about it, Matt, considering the the caliber and quality of defensemen that have played for this franchise. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a wet dream, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell you how it was when I woke up. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. Scotty Masters texted me after the the game the other night, and he just – three letters. He said, HOF. And I said, yep. I mean, this kid's a stud. I mean, he started really slow this year, but he had that, you know, off-season procedure. He really didn't get back into the swing of things. Now, offensively, he's brilliant. Defensively, he still has a way to go. And I think when you look at that specific aspect of it, you have to contribute a lot of the success they're having right now to Devon Taves because Devon allows Kale the freedom to go explore the offensive end because he knows he's got somebody on the backside, not a Sam Gerrard, you know, not a Ryan Murray, somebody who's proven themselves in this league. And it's not like those guys aren't, aren't capable, but with a guy like Devon Taves and what he's shown highest plus minus in the entire league last year, it allows Kale to be Kale. And, you know, you look around, and that's why this team was cup favorites, because you look at the young core and the talent that, they have, and it's just, it jumps off the ice. You know, it jumps off the page at you. He's, he's an interesting player because he's extremely poised. 
He doesn't show emotion on the ice, even after big goals. You know, he'll give you a fist pump, but that's just about it. And he puts his hard hat on and gets back to work. But there are some details in his game he needs to clean up to truly reach that level. But, I mean, if you're talking about the reason the Avs are on the NHL's longest win streak as of right now, he has a giant reason to do with it. You know, I mean, this guy stepped up in a huge way. He's probably the most unique defenseman I have ever seen. The way he can dance with the puck on the blue line is really impressive. That's a skating ability that not many defensemen in the NHL have ever had. And when you look at what he can do, you know, to A, make the defense respect him, keep that D spread out in the offensive end, and on a power play, when you put it back up there, He's got one of the best wrist shots for a defenseman I've ever seen. Normally you see defensemen taking big clappers at the blue line, but Kale feathers that thing. And, you know, he's just a, it's a really unique skill set he has, and they are so lucky to have him, Mike. They it, really are. It really has been an evolution when it comes to your, your defenseman, isn't it, in, in terms of – you know, it used to be, hey, you want guys who are big. You want guys who are thumpers. You want guys who you can draw the puck back to them and they got a booming slap shot, that kind of thing. But now you need your your defensemen, your your point men on the, the power play to be athletes out there. they got to be athletic. they got to be mobile. Look, look at power plays. It, it used to be traditionally you got one guy on the right point, one guy on the left point, and they're hammering away. Now, because these, these top – defensemen are so athletic you just got the one guy back there and you trust him to be able to to really be able to cover all that space and it's because of that athleticism that they bring to the position that you know we've never seen before yeah and I think the only issue in that regard is do the abs have too much of it and do they need more of the old school I say you know rough them up and you know I mean that's why I think you and I were both you know, we we both had Sam Gerrard on the trading block the yeah. first, the first, first week. 15 games, <laughs> the first 15 games of the year. And I still think that's a guy that is expendable. If Bo can come back healthy, obviously that's a huge question mark at this point. But, you know, it's true, Mike. I mean, the fact, the fact is guys are faster. The game is faster than it's ever been before. Hitting is much different than it's ever been before. There are extreme emphasis on there's an extreme emphasis on player safety that there really hasn't been before and as a result you can have the luxury of having a slighter guy on your back line who's more offensively inclined because you know look the game's faster you need those guys back there but I mean when it comes down to it and rubber meets the road the postseason it certainly hasn't helped them much so far, Mike. So that is that is my only concern, is that I think there's a balance there. And I think this group, at least this blue line, the way it's constructed, probably has the best balance that they've had during this little mini window that they've had so far. I mean, you, you know, Jack Johnson has been tremendous for them. And Bednar the other day said it's exactly what we needed and exactly what we hoped for, what they've gotten from him so far. And putting him out there with the group that they have, he's a tough guy. You know, we saw that early in the season, getting into some scraps, and he's played well so far. And they need more defensive defensemen, and he's certainly helped them in that area. But, yes, absolutely, you're right. I mean, the game has changed it's so much faster. 
Well, this being Thanksgiving, I am thankful for many things. And one thing I am thankful for is that November is almost over and we can get into a hockey schedule that is is hockey intensive. After only 10 games in November, the Avalanche are staring at 16 games in December, a lot of uh, every other night type hockey, which uh, I think for all Avalanche fans, we're looking forward to after this uh, stop and start schedule here in November. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, and look, their next, you know, as of right now, their next four games are against teams with winning records. And they've got a back-to-back to end this week. And then next week, they start a five-game road trip. And they got to go to some tough places to play. And I, I was sitting here and thinking about it. And I'm not going to judge this team, despite the fact what they've scored like 35 goals in their last five games or something like that, 5-0 and without McKinnon. But they also have played teams that are not up to their caliber. Um, there, there have been some amazing signs. You have to love the energy that they've brought to the ice every single night. But, you know, 16 games in the month of December, 10 games in the month of November, I think it's 15 and 15 games in January and and one the first week of February before they you know everybody heads over to Beijing but yes Mike when you look at this team the signs have been really good so far in the last couple weeks but now it's time to see what that looks like against legit competition and we're about to get the chance we're five games in now without Nate McKinnon as of this moment we expect him to be out maybe five or so, give or take more. And that gives them a really good opportunity to see what they can do and see what these guys can do against some elite competition, especially on the road, because you've got to be able to pack this up and take it on the road and not against a team like a Vancouver against a team like a Toronto, you know, and which they're going to have the opportunity to do next week. And so, we're going to see what this team is made of here in the next two months. And then they take a whole month off and then we're going to see a whole different team when they get back is what I would imagine. Mike. I mean, this is, this is going to be a really interesting schedule with this Olympic break. It is so important to get some games in hand and find a way to get some momentum in January, excuse me, in December and January, because when that thing stops in February, they got a lot of guys on this team going to play hockey for a month in China, you know, it's not just a, it's a couple, they got like five or six. So that's, that's a lot of guys going to play with different people and getting new chemistry. And there's going to be a learning curve when they get back. So I think it's vital that they find a way to gain some momentum in the standings early in the year to set yourself up to potentially, potentially have some home games in the playoffs, but they've got a long ways to go before then. All right, Matt Smith, you'll be hearing a lot of him over the next couple of weeks as uh, uh, filling in on a lot of our shows. Enjoy that. Look forward to hearing you there, Matt. And, of course, with all of our Avalanche postgame shows uh, over the course of the weekend. Thank you so much for being, once again, part of our Mile High Hockey podcast. Let's do it again soon. It was a pleasure anytime, Mike. All right, Matt Smith, my guest here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell all of your hockey friends about it. Check it out as we do this each and every week. Again, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again on the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans. We'll see you again next week.